Welcome back, everyone, to our monthly podcast. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. And I'm Jessica Hugstep, and I'm a supervisor with the Missouri Children's Division. It's my honor to introduce a current foster parent with our agency. Um, Norma, would you mind to introduce yourself? My name is Norma Hahn, and I'm a foster parent for the 42nd District. Uh, Norma, let's start off by how long have you been fostering with the Children's Division, and what led you to become a foster parent? Originally, this is my third time. Um, Originally in 2005, I did it just for, um, to help with kids in the community, and then I had moved, so we got out of it, and then I got back in it in 2000. Nine, I believe, um, for kinship placement. And then when we moved to Crawford, the need here is tremendous. Yes, the need is tremendous. And the need is truly, truly statewide. Um, So three times. So I just want to capture that. Um, So the first time in 2005, and then you moved. So that's why you closed your license. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, And then in 2009, you began again because of kinship? Yes. My son, um, I adopted a family member who was not in state care in 2005. And then um, two more family members that are his siblings went into foster care. So I re-licensed to get them. They were out in um, Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. So, Norma, being a kinship, right? That's what led you to the agency. Um, right. Tell me about what has, what has um, urged you to, to continue to foster? The need. The need of the kids. Um, we have so many kids in need where we're at. You see them, um, you know, at events, at the school, and that's just where our hearts led us was um, to help in our community by helping give these kids somewhere to go, somewhere safe, somewhere where they could have a chance at life. Hey, Norma, it's Jessica. So I was just wondering, so when you first began fostering back in, I think you said 2005, how did you learn about our agency? How did you learn how to be led to become a foster parent? Did you hear it from someone or something else? Well, I actually heard it from um, Platte County, Missouri Children's Division, took custody of um, my son that I have adopted, and they just did a 24-hour hold on him, so I didn't have to be licensed. Um, The parents signed the papers for me to pick him up, which I went and I drove and got him, but when I got there, they had talked to me about that and said that, you know, I didn't know anything about it until then. They're the ones that had given me all of the information regarding it. Okay. So then we decided to get into it. Okay. Okay. Um, Norma, uh, can you share um, about, on average, how many children have been in your home? My entire time doing it or this time doing it? Uh, Your entire time. Probably, I would say, 75 to 100. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of vulnerable children. Um, And in that time, Norma, do you have a success story that you can share about one or more of the children that you've had in your home? 
Um, yeah, I... I say most of the kids that I have taken have been substance abuse kids, which usually don't, um, they don't usually, you know, get to be like in the sports and stuff like that. They usually have so many issues and so many problems. And um, my son, that was a substance abuse kid who they didn't even think would live, is now, um, he took third in state at cross country last year. And um, he has outgrown his asthma. He, you know, as, as a young child, he, he couldn't run anywhere. So, Norma, can you elaborate a little bit more on what you spoke about regarding all the kiddos that have been in your home being um, exposed uh, by substance abuse, either by their parents or caregivers? Can you um, share a little bit about what that looked like for you and from your per- perspective as a foster parent? Well, that kind of slows down your process on learning the child because they come in, they um, are um, have been exposed to, it's usually, but not always, um, methamphetamine um, that, that they test positive for. And that takes can take several months to get out of a child system before you see the true child, you know where they're functioning at. So when you get this child and they have anger issues or learning issues, that all could be from what is in their system. And that takes a while to get out. Um, sometimes you deal with a lot of emotions as that's happening on top of the fact that they've been removed from their family. So it, it just slows down the process of learning what the kids' needs are, what their true, um, it, it, a lot of them have IEPs. So sometimes you find that the kids don't even need the IEP once they are, um, once they're clean from the substances and uh, yeah. you just kind of go from there. So. Norma, can you can you share an experience of working with a parent who has suffered um, from addiction of substance abuse and how you as a foster parent worked alongside them? Yes, we had um, we've we've had parents that um, will come to visit. They, you know, you have to just. A lot of times you find that they will get clean, they'll do their visits, and then unfortunately they'll start using again, so then you end up with a gap um, to where they don't have visits, and then they come back. But we, we try to always, you know, do whatever we can do to get the kids, um, you know, to not blame themselves for the fact that they're not having visits. Um, we try to do whatever we can do if parents need, you know, a way to get to treatment or whatever. We're willing to help them, you know, to get there if they're willing to take the steps to do it. Because getting the family back together, if that can be successful, is the best, you know, situation for any kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to dig in a little bit more to, um, so what advice would you give a new foster parent when working with these these bio parents who are suffering from abuse? To just have patience and understanding, you know, what 
we may not do like um I've never used drugs so as a road I've never traveled in my life so I don't have a lot of understanding as far as how a parent can use versus visit their child but that doesn't always mean that they don't love their kid mm -hmm. so you have to have a lot of patience you have to have a lot of understanding and be open-minded to help somebody that maybe you usually wouldn't help I think that's real. That's great advice, um, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And I hope that when individuals listen to this podcast, they really hear your words. Um, how? What advice would you give them when working with the children um, that have been exposed? You kind of hit this a little bit earlier, but I kind of wanted more details. It's going to take, again, a lot of patience. You're, you're going to see so many different sides of that child in the first few months before you learn the true child. Um, they are going to be going through a lot emotionally, mentally, and physically with just being removed and then coming with those drugs all coming out of their system. And they're going to be feeling a lot of things that they're unsure of. So. Again, patience and just being there for them and whatever resources in, in your community that you can get for them, if it's therapy, if it's, you know, and then again, pay attention to like IEPs and, and the needs of this, of this child because once the drugs are gone, sometimes you just have a completely different kid than you started with and they may not need to be pulled out and and have so many services, you know, for an IEP that they needed six months ago. That's so true, Norma. So from what you're saying, you aren't just fostering kids, you're here to help families too. Right. Right. So in helping families, what kind of support do you have in your community and with state agencies that is able to help you do um, your job as fostering? So. We do, um, like I've done visits for parents because we, we've just, our office is understaffed. Um, we used a company out of Rala and for, you know, just the times that we're going through, people don't show up for work. So I just try to help out with visits. I think that's very important that parents, if, if they're doing what they need to do, that they get their visits. If I have to go to the park to, you know, for parents to have visits, we'll do that. You know, we had the bowling alley, unfortunately, that closed. We used to do visits there. We do visits at restaurants. Um, anything that we can do if we, you know, ourselves need to take time out of our day to go and make sure that that family gets to be put together for the week, that's what we do. So, Norma, if, if a, a friend of yours approached you and was considering fostering, what advice and tips would you give them to enter into this journey? Well, I would just tell them to, you know, pray about it and think about it because there's so many kiddos that can be reached in our community. Um, decide what age that they really want to focus on because I think, um, I, I think that we need to have teenage homes and we need to have younger homes. Um, I think that it's very difficult to do both, but 
focus on your age and and help the help the kids that you can help be involved with the schools know your resources in your community if you, if this is something that you're going to do because you're going to need them all and that's so right norma it takes a village right yes so yes you need to know everybody you need to contact at your school at, at your juvenile office at your children's division for therapists for um autism testing everything so know your resources know where you live and what you have right which is so important so norma you said about age range so what is your age range that you take into your home so we try to stay under 12. Um, i have taken teenagers in emergency so that you know they have a little bit more time to um find placement for them because it's kind of difficult to do in the middle of the night but I I try to stay under 12. Thank you for sharing I really appreciate that so you know we're doing this podcast to try and recruit new foster parents right we talked about the need which is so great um so what would you do you have any um advice or suggestions to us as a state agency of any ideas you think would help us in recruiting new foster homes? I, I just kind of think, you know, working with your communities and your families to be a team. I, I think that's the biggest thing children's division can do is to just continue to be a team with your community. So Norma, uh, can you speak to, you know, a lot of people out there have, they, they have the heart to foster, but they have reservations about fostering. And some of that is because they have their own children and the worries of how foster kiddos can impact their own in their own home. Can you speak to a little bit um, about that and how you've dealt with that and lessons learned? Yeah, um, we... We are real good about we'll sit down and we try to know as much information about a kiddo that we're going to take um, prior to taking them. That doesn't always happen, especially with emergency placement. But for the most part, when we have a kiddo that we know is coming, we try to sit down with our kids and let them know, you know, this is the situation. This is, you know, where this this child struggles and we just try to work together as a family you know with the kids being aware of it they try to help correct the behavior we you know work to correct the behaviors whatever is going on with that particular kid um you know sometimes probably the biggest thing people struggle to deal with and take is kids um, that are victims of sexual abuse and in those situations, my advice would be to make sure that you have safety perimeters set up, that you can allow that child to be in a room without other children, um, to play in that room and to be accepted, you know, for who they are, but to make sure doors are open and um, that you just always have safety, you know, set up for every kid that's in the home. But um those, are, those seem to be the kids that nobody really wants to take if they have their own children because they assume 
that their children will be victimized. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. <clears throat> On a similar note, um, I'm curious um, to hear um, another another reservation that people have out there is, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to get too attached and I'm not going to want to, you know, give them back to their parents. And so how do you deal with that as a foster parent? Well, you have to realize you are fostering, which means you are nurturing somebody else's child till that family can be put back together. So you can't look at that child as your child. You have to look at that child as your child to take care of at this moment. Um, And that's just how we always do it. I have a lot of kiddos that I still keep in touch with that have been home for a long time. I've got um, kids that still come over for dinner. I've got kids that go out with us still on vacation. So we still see a lot of our kids that have already went home. Um, We just kind of, they're just like an extended part of our family. So Norma, we've talked a lot about some, you know, very challenging things as a foster parent that you've had to deal with, kiddos that are truly vulnerable and suffered significant abuse and neglect. Um, how does does our training through the state help? And if so, what advice would you give to new foster families? Yes, I think the training does help. I, I think you need to get involved again, like I said, with all of your resources in your community. So if your child needs therapy, don't just take them to therapy and then wait for them to be finished. Speak with their therapist also. See what you can be doing the rest of the week to help this kid. Um, if you notice triggers with this kid, discuss them with their therapist and, and just do anything and everything that you can um, with their advice to help that kiddo at home because, you know, therapy once a week, it does help, but there also has to be consistency the, the other six days of the week. Um, and, and if you're working toward the goal that the therapist has for this child, they're, gonna, they're going to obtain that much faster. Thank you, Norma. Um, so let's do something fun. Um, So if I was a friend of yours and I came to you and said, Norma, I really want to be a foster parent. I just don't know if I should do it. What do you think I should do? How would you answer that? I would say absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most rewarding things that you can do in life. So why is it rewarding to you? Uh, To see the child just transform from this scared little person that has come into your home and learn how to take all that anger and everything else once they're you know they're clean and they just to to just watch them blossom and change and grow with just the right resources and love and stability it's just it completely warms your heart thank you norma Well, I think uh, that kind of wraps it up for today. I just, again, want to give you a special thanks for all you do for our Missouri Children's Division um, and all the children that you've cared and taken into your home. 
uh, without you, we, we couldn't do this good work. And just, just thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. No problem. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Norma. Wow. Jessica, what a great interview with Miss Norma. How did you think the interview went? Oh, my goodness. She hit on so many great points. First off, that she fostered three different times, one of those being kidship, meaning she knew the child through a previous connection and or was related. So I love how she came back yeah. the third time to foster. Not only that, I think we've seen an increase statewide how people are getting involved in fostering is through relative kinship, something right. personal to them, and then they right. love it, so they stick with it. Definitely. Yeah. And we do have more relative kinship homes than we do regular than traditional foster homes, which is great because our main goal in a placement hierarchy is getting them with relatives. Yeah, we have we have actually we have as of December we have three thousand two hundred and eleven relative homes oh statewide. Which is fantastic. Yeah, even though we still need more. We definitely do because let me ask you, do you know the statistics on how many traditional foster homes we have? I do. Um, as of December 1st, we have uh, 3,029 statewide. So so that's that's almost 7,000 yeah. approximately. Right. But we have over 13,000 children in care. Really? So the need is still here. So this podcast is exactly what, what we need to be doing. Right. That's what I was going to ask of. Okay, you just told me the number of foster homes. Okay, how many kids do we ha- actually have in state custody? And that massive difference is just it. It just makes it shows you the actual need. Yeah. So we need more normas. So we need more normas. Something I also like that Norma said that I think speaks volumes yeah. is when she talks about the community and really using the community and using the resources, the schools, the juvenile office, really um, using what's in her community to help her and be a more supportive foster parent. And that's how she's been able to stay with it for so long. And and I think that that's definitely something that as we Mm -hmm. are working with our foster families can take with us and really encourage them to dig into the community, know the resources, help help them get connected. Definitely, because no matter how long you've been fostering, and right now, you know, we need more foster homes, our main, my main advice would be get in there, know your community, know the resources before you even begin fostering. So you know who to reach out to because we know that foster homes can't do it without a support system, whether it's their family, friends, church meetings, uh, counseling services, medical services, that support system is going to help them. Absolutely. And I think Norma really got a good grasp mm-hmm. of that. And so I'm so glad she she brought insights to that. She definitely did. Um, something else that Norma uh, spoke about was the kids that are coming into our home, mm-hmm. uh, many of them have been exposed to substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think all of us in some way, shape, or form have seen an increase. And I know we have. I don't have the data in front of me right now, but I know we have seen definitely an increase of kids coming into foster care where they've been impacted by by some type of substance abuse, either that through exposure or their parents struggling with substance abuse. And with that comes being pregnant and exposed. Yes. And with that, there there comes a potential abuse and neglect that occurs, and 
it truly is an epidemic. And definitely here in Missouri, but I would say that's probably nationwide. Um, I would definitely say in the over 15 years that I've been with the agency, I have seen substance abuse grow in increased numbers of why children are coming into care. Yeah. And something else that I think she pointed out that really um, spoke to me was when she talks about when you first have a child who's been exposed to substance abuse enter her home, that you're seeing a completely different child yeah, because right. they, it's in their system. That mm-hmm. substance is in their system. It, they're not, you're not seeing the true child. You're not seeing who they really are. And her advice is be patient, have understanding, because a few months from then, right. you can see a completely different child. And I can speak on that from being, seeing it firsthand when back when I was a caseworker and back when I was a supervisor of it, I've seen several kids. And for instance, what it could look like, um, let's just say some kids are more hyper, um, uncontrollable in like discipline and being hyper is one thing you could see. Or you could see maybe a younger child that can't communicate well, maybe, I don't know, throwing fits um, or, you know, maybe throwing things just because they're not able to communicate or uh, health issues. You never know. So those are just kind of, for instance, that what it could look like with kids being exposed to substance abuse. Yeah, I think if if I had to give advice to future foster families from this interview, one one of a piece of that advice would be hang on, right? Like these kids, they may seem like they're they're behavioral, they may seem like they're hyper and out of control. Hang on. If you Hang need on. help, ask for it. Reach out to your community. Hang on, because your job is to foster them and to help them get healthy. And once they do, you potentially, like Norma talks about, right. see a completely different kid. Definitely. And you can see what you've done, what you've done to help these kids in your home. And like Norma said, nurture them while you have them. Yes, I love that. Nurturing them while, while you have, have them. them. It was just a, it was a fantastic interview, and uh, I appreciate Norma and all she's done for our most vulnerable population. And um, and she says she had like, was it like seventy five to hundred kids throughout her years of fostering in and out of her home, which is just like that number just gave me chills. Yeah. It did. It gave me chills. She's definitely given back to her, to the community. She definitely has, and touched so many lives, but. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, great, great interview. It, it really was. So, again, thank you, Norma, for joining us in our, our monthly podcast. Um, reminder to all the listeners, this is a, the call to fostering. Uh, we have these monthly podcasts um, with the purpose of uh, reaching out to all of those who may be interested in fostering, uh, really hearing from the community and um if you're interested, please contact your local children's division office. Um, you can also uh, Google Department of Social Services and find some information off the web. Uh, again, thank you for listening, and please join us next month um, while we bring you more interviews. There you go. Hearing from the community, and um, if you're interested, please contact your local children's division office. Um, you can also 
uh, Google Department of Social Services and find some information off the web. Uh, again, thank you for listening and please join us next month um, while we bring you more interviews. There you go.